0: Welcome to the Green Hospitality podcast. Green Hospitality is an organisation with a primary mission to encourage businesses to work together and bring about innovative solutions to achieve the United Nations sustainable development goals. Join us as we interview practitioners, experts and academics providing bite-sized advice on how to improve environmental, social and governance performances in the hospitality and travel industry. Um, you can just introduce yourself, your full name, your position, yep. and then the company as well, maybe specifically your area and mm-hmm. your experience a little bit. So give us a little bit of a snapshot.
1: Okay, so hello, my name is Richard Ekebus. I am the Director of Culinary Operations and Food and Beverage at the Landmark Mandarin Oriental. I have been in Hong Kong for 16 years now, was part of the pre-opening team of this hotel, so therefore I had quite a large impact on how we operate this hotel. As being a person from a Nordic country, I think we have, as part of our DNA, our environmental awareness. And of course, when I came to Hong Kong, uh, needless to say that it was a little bit of a culture shock. So what I've tried over the uh, 16 years or the 15 years that we operate the hotel is to uh, integrate some of the common and logical best practices we do in Nordic countries. And that has become part of the DNA of the Landmark Mandarin Oriental. The hotel itself, the Landmark Mandarin Oriental, is part of the Mandarin Oriental Hotel Group and is owned by Hong Kong Lands. We have a hotel of 113 rooms. We have one of the largest urban spas in Hong Kong. The hotel's portfolio has six restaurants and bars, which, of course, I look after. The most known restaurant is Amber, one of the most iconic restaurants in in Hong Kong. And that is my brainchild, but also my my biggest occupancy in driving not only great culinary experiences, but also to operate the restaurant with a conscience. And that's basically uh, me and uh, the hotel I work for.
0: Fantastic. Great overview. So I'd like to ask you specifically today, we're going to talk about the food waste. We are going Mm -hmm. to talk about different strategies that hotels and restaurants implement to combat food waste. And I'm wondering, how does Mandarin Oriental reduce its food waste? What strategies do you have in place?
1: we have done a lot of things i am the guy that on this level always look at the glass half empty so i'm actually much, much more interested in general what we're not doing yet and where we need to make improvements but having said i'm, I'm overall a very positive guy but that it, i think that's where i'm a little bit more critical towards ourselves and where i think that we can make more progress i do believe that uh, we have made significant changes in how we operate our business and that has been an organic grow over the last 15 years and that has been really through intelligent, impactful, and responsible actions that we have put in place. I think the real desire of this hotel, which is the only hotel within the Mandarin Oriental Group that operates under a platinum fan, is that we are an hotel where we trial run certain concepts and projects. So I would say that we are a forward-thinking branch of the group and where we make big stripes and big impacts and where we see that certain initiatives really function they seem to become part of the direction that mandarin oriental hotel group wants to work in and we have seen that in areas such as sustainable seafood responsible procurement we have seen that in areas such as eliminating single-use plastic and that is how we has grown as a business if we look at mandarin oriental right now there is definitely a true desire on the group level to act with responsibility. And that's why they have established a problem called Naturally Better, which is an umbrella of all our efforts towards promoting the well-being of our planet, of the communities, and also the individuals that live on the planet. There is a true desire within Mandarin Oriental and now also within Hong Kong land and even within the conglomerate we are part of Jardine, a true desire to make a difference and that sustainability becomes an integral part of our business module.
0: Fantastic, thank you. So back to food waste, I really wonder what do you do with the food waste in the restaurants? What kind of different strategies that you have in place to reduce that?
1: Of course, food waste management has been uh, from the start uh, high on our agenda, but I think the most important one is, is waste prevention. We consider that to be much more important than the management itself, particularly in Hong Kong where waste management and recycling can be quite difficult and unsatisfactory. So that's why we believe waste prevention is crucial. We uh, closely monitor our, our waste output on a daily basis. So we have daily reports. We have a, a scales to receive our ingredients on a daily basis, but we also have scales to see what is leaving the building on a daily basis. And I think that is a very important way of measuring because then we work with uh, very interesting uh, spreadsheets, such as the one I have here where we basically, on a daily basis, input the different categories of waste. That gives us an overview of our production of waste on a daily basis that is divided through various formulas by the amount of covers we're doing, and that gives us different key performance indicators. And by doing that, we can really closely monitor how we manage our waste, what what is our waste per cover, what is our recycled waste, what is the diverted rate of our waste, So this is a little bit labor intense. Having said that, it is for us a key tool to ensure that we have a full finger on the pulse of our waste generation. Through that, over the years to come, we have set every year a target of the percentage that we wanted to reduce in waste. And that target is not set just on property level, but also on the group level with Mandarin Oriental, that's 25% but we have been much more aggressive. If you just look at, for example, I have the report here for uh, July, the target was 25%, but we actually achieved 18.8% above the target. So our waste diversion rate was way higher, was 43.8% in July. So this is where we can see how we are performing. And then based on the waste, so we rate that in different categories and based on that, we can see, okay, where do we need to work on? So we have done a lot of meaningful things. Of course, waste segregation, separating our waste in different categories is almost a given. We not only talk about metal, plastics, styrofoam, food waste, glass, paper, cardboard, oil and electronics. All these elements are recycled where possible. But we do things such as oil recycling, and we have been doing that since 2011. So we work very closely with Dynamic Process International Limited. They recycle our waste oil. That waste oil is used in the Hong Kong harbor, where some of the boats are fueled on our frying oil. We have implemented over the years uh, water bottling facilities. So we eliminated the, the sales of imported mineral waters, and we have worked with the Swedish company called uh, Nordac Fresh that bottling system has in 2020 alone has enabled us to divert more than 60,000 plastic bottles from the landfill, which is an equivalent of uh, more than 7,000 kilos of plastic waste. We have worked for more than six years on eliminating single-use plastics from our operations, which we completed last year. And that was a long process because as much as the desire was there to do that much earlier, I think the technology was not simply there to replace certain solutions within operations such as cling film, vacuum pouches, certain bin liners. And also because there is very confusing terminology in this field where you sometimes think that you buy a compostable bag, but when you look further you see that it is not particularly compostable in Hong Kong because we lack the facilities to do so now since march 2021 we have eliminated more than 16 single-use plastic items from our operations and we can say that in F&B in the landmark we are 100 percent single-use plastic free in our operations so that is a big achievement and that has contributed to waste reduction then we have worked very closely with hong kong lands where we have worked with their food waste collection program so we have been asking for quite a few years in a row to get space for anaerobic bio food digesters. Space, of course, in Central is very challenging. Then in collaboration with our owners, Hong Kong Land, we have installed two large digesters with each 500 kilo capacity. These units are not only used for the landmark, they are used by all the tenants within the landmark malls or in all the Hong Kong Land buildings. Every building has two units that can recycle all the food waste so if you would look at the collective saving of diversion or diversion of food waste is significant in hong kong land and of course the landmark that is in a big summary what we have been doing in order to sort of measure and to prevent waste creation within the hotel
0: fantastic that's a great overview so in terms of the digesters that you have in place, would you ha- have any numbers that you could share with us on like how much uh, specifically from your restaurants would be digested and also some of your cost savings if any. Have you looked into yeah. that like how much cost saving that provides to you when you use this technology?
1: In Hong Kong we are a little bit different than, of course if you have less waste there's less cost for an operator to remove the waste so that is a significant upside in saving. The capacity is larger than we can, uh, than actually we are producing in the mall. And that is because we have redundancy to make sure that if one goes down, we can still ensure we do the right thing. And also to make sure that we maintain the machines correctly. This is all done, of course, by Hong Kong Lands. Of course, it consumes energy, machines like this, and it involves uh, additional labor to segregate and to process the waste this way. Having said that, it is a very meaningful cost saving when you can reduce your outputs of uh, organic waste by more than half. So I think the landfill reductions that it has given and the reductions in carbon dioxide and methane gas are significant if we look at just the landmark and the Hong Kong land properties together in terms of diversion. Having said that, of course, there are costs involved, capital expenditure that needs to be done. You might say that for a group like Hong Kong Land or Mandarin Oriental, that is a little bit easier than an independent restaurant. I do hope that Hong Kong one day make it mandatory for restaurant operators to have machines. Machines, uh, as we have in our building, come in all different sizes with all different levels of investment. There are also ways of leasing machines as such. So there's many solutions that are available. Having said that, I think that we tend to look at the broader picture that, yes, maybe in some areas we have increased costs to do the right thing in waste management, but we are looking in the broader picture where we are also very focused on saving energy, saving water, which are also at the same time cost-saving measures. And that these savings, instead of just bringing that to the bottom line, could then be reattributed to other areas where you actually need a little bit more money. So it's just reorganizing and reshifting the way you basically spend money. The aim of course, for any responsible business, and I mean, responsible, not only in the sense of responsible to our environment, but also responsible in terms of ensuring that your investors or your partners get a return on investment is to fully integrate sustainability into the business without a significant cost increase. And that is the ultimate goal.
0: Thank you yeah absolutely I guess you need to really be strategic about it, because, as you said, you cannot just do plain math like how much is machine going to cost me and then. When is the return on on investment what i'm going to save the money, but then thinking more holistically where else I can save money, so that I can afford this technology that ultimately is really helping me reduce the waste and impact on the environment.
1: yeah absolutely.
0: Now I'd like to ask actually a bit more about the challenges of implementing mm-hmm. this technology from a perspective of not only implementation, but also operation of a technology. You already mentioned the human capital that you need. You need somebody to operate the machine, but mm-hmm. I believe there will be maybe other such challenges or similar challenges when it comes to operating and having this kind of technology. And mm-hmm. how are you overcoming those challenges?
1: Well, besides the capital investment, we have spent significant time and energy in developing the policy and procedure. Just putting a machine there is not going to cut it. First of all, you need to basically build the food waste collection SSIs, your bin setup, the location, the different signage to make sure that staff fully understand, to uh, develop policy, which you can use as a training tool uh, to create different posters and instructions to make sure that certain practices are reinforced the amount of time that we have spent on training and still do on training to make sure that staff fully understand what the right practice is. Because again, as mentioned, as much as you when you're born and raised maybe in Northern Europe, these practices are really common sense. In Hong Kong, it is a pretty new concept. So you see that you need to explain to everybody here how the waste collection and the waste segregation takes place. That is a lot of work. The initial setup is a lot of work. The initial training and the constant training and retraining is a lot of work. The biggest problem was really where you're in Hong Kong, where real estate is expensive and space is expensive, is to find space where you can properly segregate waste and where you can have a setup for the machinery that you need for the waste collection and for the biodigesters. Of course, Hong Kong Lands supported us fully and took full ownership in finding that space in the, the B2 areas of this building. And their support, to be quite frankly, has been key in the success of this project. Because without that, we would have been able to have such a setup to do the right thing in terms of waste management. I think the positive side of all this is that through driving these changes, we were not only to accomplish change within our four walls, but also we were able to pollinate Two larger companies, Mandarin Oriental and Hong Kong Lands. And I think that is the very powerful. Thing. And then I also forget that through the training and so forth that we're doing, we are influencing staff behavior because they go back home and they say, okay, what can I do at my little level in terms of waste segregation and waste management? So that that has been very powerful. Another challenge, of course, is any machinery has a write-off period, so you need to re-forecast investments 10, 15 years along the line based on the machine that you have purchased, based on the setup that you have yourself acquired. As mentioned, we have a setup of two machines of 500 kilo capacity per day, so 1,000 kilo, which has significant redundancy, and therefore the lifespan of that machine would be extended considerably. The fact that you have two setups also would enable you to have a seamless integrated maintenance program to extend again to extend the lifespan but if we look at the current state of our environment and that of global warming i think that the real problem is that if we do not make a chance a change that we are on the path of self-destruction and i do believe that every business now has to make these significant changes and Everybody always asks me, what did you save money or where did you? what did it cost? I think that, to be quite frankly, what I always repeat is that there is nothing really to gain right now, but everything to lose tomorrow. And I think that that is where we need to hold on to. And even if you look at Hong Kong governments, yesterday there was news that Hong Kong is going to have levied plastic bags for sale. So there is an awareness in Hong Kong that there is a problem with the lack of land for landfill and that we need to stop the trash where it's created and make people feel in their wallets where there is unconscious consumption and unconscious overconsumption and waste that people need to pay a little bit more and that money will go to solutions to further maybe find solutions to recycle and find other forms of business for upcycling within the city.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. We just had earlier today, just finished half an hour, a conversation with about 30 stakeholders from the from the society, from hotels and F&Bs mm-hmm. on the single-use plastic tableware ban. So we were discussing yeah. a little bit of timeline and also the aspect of biodegradable materials being banned and the perspectives of businesses like Food Panda or yeah. others. So it's quite yeah. interesting to see that, that there's quite a number of these consultations coming up. Yeah. And it's quite broad consultation, as we know from one of the experts who was on, on this at this meeting, um, mentioned that there is no such comprehensive ban anywhere else. So this looks like a very big thing, like Hong yeah. Kong, actually yeah. it's putting yeah. itself in front and on the top of the other places. There is no so many ban, ban materials anywhere else. So it's very yeah. ambitious.
1: Yesterday I had a one-hour call with Food Bait Good, where we went through the same exercise, where we We wanted to have a a collective stance as members of uh, Food Made Goods within this uh, project of disposable ware. What I think is very important is that all these voices are being heard and that input is being considered, and hopefully that moving forward we will have a full elimination of plastic eatware. We have done this exercise within the Landmark and Mandarin Oriental over the last years and we have shown that it is possible. still a lot of tippy-toeing going on about leaving the door open to certain exceptions, but I feel that there needs to be a very firm stance. There's no more excuses to eliminate single-use plastic from operations. There are initiatives with the fact that the amount is growing, the price is going down in Hong Kong. We see much more companies entering this space, creating competitiveness, which eventually also will drive down the price. And i think that is positive so there is no more excuse that you can't afford it or that it is not available uh, it is untrue you know it is excuses and i think we're running out of excuses it is really time for action
0: so let's go back to our topic and a little mm-hmm. bit more on the on the next step what it's, other ambitions plans do you have apart from the digesters obviously you're very fortunate and lucky that you're in the building that is related to your company. So you're part of this bigger group and therefore you have the space. And also it's fantastic to see that you benefited other tenants within mm. the building to have access to such technology. I'm curious, would you know how many are using besides your own brands, this digester?
1: All restaurants and bars within the landmark building are using the digester. So everybody collects their organic waste and it's been recuperated and being processed within the building. So every restaurant you visit in the landmark would have access and make usage of these two digesters.
0: Fantastic, and you mentioned that implementation obviously was a big effort at the start to create all the training and all the support materials and also train your staff. So did you do that internally? Was it your sustainability team or your your team in particular? Um, Did you work with somebody else?
1: We work with Greenview as a consulting for Mandarin Oriental. They do a lot of the groundwork in policy and procedures. Some policy and procedures are imposed by Mandarin Oriental, some we create in-house. In this case, because the waste management system we have is unique to this property. So that required an exercise internally so that we had no help with that. That was uh, myself and my team working endless hours in establishing the PMP. What we try to do is that it is never driven from one department, but that there is a buy-in from all departments. So it's a collective effort from the engineering to the spa to rooms to F&B where we all work together in creating the policy. I have been driving most of that and writing most of the policies within the hotel. Then the implementation is then cascaded to human resources. It's built in within the training matrix of every employee. Where, so we are sure what every employee has been trained on. We have A DLC, which is a learning and development reference document of every person, so that we are sure that every person does get trained on the topic of waste management. It is a collective effort between many departments, so it takes a lot of hours between all these departments. But because the burden is shared, it is a manageable process.
0: Thanks for that insight. So now to the next steps. Apart from a from a digester, what are Mm. initiatives are you planning to implement? with regards to feed waste and how are you prioritizing these different mm. actions? So you've already quite significantly reduced. You are trying to reduce on all the fronts. Is there still space? You said that you have so many things that you still think you can do better. So now is the time. Yes.
1: To- yes. Well, no, I, I it really is about upcycling and, the, and supporting the industry of upcycling. And there is so much uh, happening in Hong Kong related to that. Small companies that upcycle linen, small companies that upcycle wood for example I have been in contact with the Hong Kong timber bank to see how we can upcycle wood with them so we are very open and very open-minded always listening always an ear on the ground what is happening reaching out to these organizations to see how can we support and how can we divert some of our waste towards them in building these different economies that are operating within this space so that is a priority for me We are looking uh, critically within the building. How can we do something else? Is there a way of maybe recycling or upcycling some of the food waste into compost that we could use within the gardens of the buildings? So there's many ways that we are looking. Sometimes we're looking at two simple things at changing the packaging of something because we are buying items in 250 ml bottles. We are using 10 bottles a day. That doesn't make sense. So how can we buy something in bulk and reduce, therefore, packaging so that is what we are trying to do also communicate with our suppliers to see how can we reduce certain packaging so there's many things proactively that we constantly do to see how can we reduce the waste outputs and what we do not want is to greenwash. We do not want suppliers to take away packaging so we have less packaging, unless they have very recycling systems in place. But I think the next step for us is really to implement artificial intelligence, such as powered food waste, a monitor system that we wanted to implement It has now been postponed because of COVID. And, but it is something that we would revisit when business fully resumes. So I think that the usage of modern technology, and we have done that over the years in our operations, we are the only kitchen in Hong Kong that has no ticket system, meaning we have no printers in our kitchens. Every kitchen has different printers. For these printers, you use paper cartridges, you use plastic printing ink cartridges. We have an electronic touchscreen system where we completely eliminate it. And through that system also we found efficiencies where actually we need less staff to manage the whole expediting of a restaurant so where we invested significant money into capex uh, such as touch screen monitors we also saved on a human resource level so again the balance of where can we save money where can we then spend money to be better operators i think really for us it's to continue to set very aggressive targets to reduce waste year on year and to find partnerships with uh, organizations to upcycle that is for us the main focus
0: fantastic thank you richard do you have anything else that you want to say
1: Again, every time I hear the same, you guys are part of a big hotel, so it's easy talking. I remind people that we are still part of a business. Besides the fact that we have, of course, maybe more financial means behind us as we are part of a conglomerate, we still need to make financial sense. We have also a much more robust core as part of our cost structure, but that it is feasible to make these changes and that there are many solutions to make this financially work within your uh, operation. And as I mentioned before, that I think that we're running out of excuses and that everybody needs to get on in making these important changes. I think we should not wait till government is catching up with us, because I do believe with all the initiatives that we have seen over the last few weeks is that they're catching up quicker than we probably then be able to uh, adjust to. So I think that if you do not jump on the bandwagon now, it's going to be maybe much more complicated or much more expensive by the time that uh, legislation is falling in place.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, we see the movement and we see a lot of more lot more interest also from rest- restaurants that probably previously didn't have so, so much going on. They are really keen and interested in doing more. I think they're still struggling a little bit with, with time and resources in terms of human resources, maybe not so much on the cost side, but it's like, where I'm gonna find the time to go and research, especially for smaller restaurants, it is a big issue. But yep. we see that they don't even have enough the knowledge and anybody behind them, so it would be on their own initiative on top of their operational things to really work on, which I understand can be very complicated, especially yep. for smaller
1: entrepreneurs, so. I think as an operator is looking into where you have those team members that are passionate about it. I'm very lucky, I have quite a few people in my team, uh, Thibaut who is of our directors we have janina one of our system managers extremely passionate about sustainability and they do help to push a lot of the work together with me and then what i think is really key is to have the buy-in of the team sustainability cannot be driven by two or three people within an organization it it is the power of more and maybe if three people try to promote a perfect system is not moving as fast as uh, 350 people in this building trying to move an imperfect system. And that is where you can make significant change, in my opinion.
0: How would you motivate all your staff? Do you do like interactions with them? Or do Uh, you like workshops with them?
1: We do many things. We do, for example, in our, Hong Kong is a very protein heavy city. We do a Green Monday, where we only serve vegan foods in our canteen. And that was received with a little bit of resistance, to be uh, quite frankly. But on the table, we have a little pan cards where we have the messaging why we have to make a change. We also explained that it was not for us to save money. It was also for us to save the planet. And on top of that, to be able to buy better meat. So when they would eat some meat or some fish, they would be guaranteed to eat a sustainably caught fish. They would be able to eat eggs that are cage-free and that they had meat that is raw hormone and antibiotic-free. We talk about things such as uh, you know that Hong Kong is the largest consumer of Brazilian beef and that if they see images of a burning forest in uh, the Amazon is that they actually are daily responsible for that and I believe that through this messaging that you need to keep freshened up on a daily basis or on a weekly basis is you get an understanding and a buy-in. And what we do, we communicate in two languages, in Cantonese and in English, so it is understood by every single person within the building. And I think if you drip feed this on a constant basis and make people aware, make this part of our move-in program, so every employee. That is hired by mandarin oriental goes through a move-in program which is our brain our, our mandarin oriental brainwashing is to put people into the mandarin oriental mode and make that part you know the messaging on sustainability not just talking about surfacing and safety but also talk about sustainability and that becomes an integral part of your messaging towards the staff